Thank you, Wayne. There we go. Yeah, don't trip. Don't fall. There we go. You can use the wall over there. Lean against if you need to. All right. Hey, everybody. Glad you're here. Listen up. We're going to start a uh, uh, children. Uh, children are dismissed four years old through fourth grade. They're going to head down to uh, kids' church. And um, hey, we're starting a brand new series this morning, and it is entitled Better Together. Better Together. If uh, some of you have ever taken the uh, introduction to our church class, Church 101 class, um, then you'll recognize some of this material because ultimately that's what I'm going over here. But we're doing a series called Better Together. And um, at the end of this um, series that we're going to do, it's going to go on for a few weeks here, we're going to be making a push for you to become a member of our church if you are not already. And uh, I know this, that there are... Um, I can, I can, I think I counted up about eight families that are not here this morning that uh, I'm hoping are going to uh, end up being a part of this series before we get here and get to the end of it. But uh, my goal is that by the end of this series, we'll make a big push. We're going to have a membership drive and there's going to be a lot of baptisms and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to join our church. And listen, this class is about the basic introduction uh, to who we are as a church and what we believe as a church. There are a lot of different backgrounds of people that come to church here, different denominational backgrounds and theological viewpoints. And so we want to come together and understand who we are as a church. And I'm going to encourage you to become a part of our church. Why would I do that because I want you to be a member of our church. Now, why would I want you to be a member of the church? Well, here's why. I don't want you to do anything that God doesn't want you to do. I want you to understand that the Bible, that God tells us, uh, God tells us in scripture that he wants you to be a member of his church. Check this out. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. Now this is from the living Bible, which is a, uh, a translation. It's not even a translation. It's kind of a commentary. It's a paraphrase, but it kind of sums things up well from the book of Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. It says this. You are a member of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Uh, you hear us talking. You hear us talking about the cruise in. You hear us uh, saying people's names. And uh, you hear us uh, talking about people by name that are out of here and they're not well. And we pray for them to get better. The church is to be a family. To be a family, brothers and sisters, and we can have spiritual mentors or fathers, and, and uh, it is to be a family. So we want you to be a part of the family. And so think about these things. Here's some key truths. The church is a family, and that God expects you to be a member of a church family. And a Christian without, listen to this, a Christian without a church family is a contradiction. It is a contradiction. It's a counter, you can't say, uh, I am a, I am a Christian, but I don't go to church. It's a contradiction. If you are a Christian, you have a church family in your life. Listen, the Better Together series is an attempt uh, to com- have you to commit to being closer to Christ and to Christ's church. That's why we're doing the Better Together series. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we ask again that you will, uh, Come alongside, partner uh, with us as uh, we battle in our own own minds as to how to pay attention. And we think about all the other things that are going on. And uh, we think about things that are outside of this place. And our minds are capable of going all over the place. Father, we ask that you would help us um, just learn from you right now. The important truth that you want to teach us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Here is what a member of our church, here's a, as a member of our church, we would want you to know these things. We want you to know these things. First thing we want you to know is this. Most people live their entire life, think about it, most people live their entire life without ever knowing why. Why do I live my life? Why do I do this? And they exist year after year with no idea of what God's purpose is for them or why they even exist. And the most basic question a person can ask is, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? Here's what we know. Uh, We all want to be happy. And so we kind of tell ourselves that going through life happy, we must be doing life well. We must be doing it right. There's all kinds of places that we attempt to go. Uh, we attempt to go uh, to be happy. We pursue things to be uh, happy. And uh, some uh, people look for happiness in acquiring possessions. Right? You can you can kind of go to the bank on that one. And uh, there's an unlimited supply of things that we might want uh, to acquire in our life. Write that down. Uh, we we pursue uh, things. We look for happiness. By acquiring possessions. There are unlimited wants that we can have. And if you were at the car show yesterday, as I was kind of walking up and down, saying like, yeah, I wouldn't mind having that car. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having that car. And so we, we try to acquire different things in order to be happy. For other people, you know, if I just had a boat, if I just had a boat and I could go out on the Mississippi on a, on a nice hot day, then, then I would be happy, right? If I acquire a boat, or maybe it's not a boat, maybe uh, there's a motorcycle, and I like motorcycles, and, and um, I was glad to have my motorcycle worked on by my son-in-law, and he got that thing going, so I'll be back out on the streets, and I, I, want, I want another motorcycle. I really do kind of look around. And can, can a guy really have enough motorcycles, right? And some people, uh, you acquire things, and you're looking for things. Some people have a giant gun collection. I know people that have a giant tractor uh, collection. And other people, they, uh, you know, if you just had a camper, then you'd be happy, right? And then there's other people that I don't relate to at all. But there's some people they uh, acquire and they acquire and they acquire. And, 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 and you know what they're looking for? They're looking for shoes. Can you really have enough shoes? And I say, yes. Other people say, no, you cannot have enough shoes. What about purses? Can you have enough purses? I say, yes, I don't even want one. And they say, no, you cannot have enough. And so people look to acquire different things. And so they're looking for happiness. By acquiring possessions. Other people would say, it's not really about acquiring possessions, or maybe it's some of those things. But some look for happiness by experiencing pleasure. If you just are happy and you set out to be happy, then that's what matters and is important in life. Some are looking for uh, happiness by experiencing pleasures, vacation pleasure. And you have these exotic experiences in your life. There is sexual pleasure and binge-watching pleasure and social media hits pleasure. And there's a a dating a person or pursuing a relationship pleasure. And there's a box of donuts pleasure. And then there's a a glass of wine pleasure or having a margarita pleasure. And so there's all of these different kinds of things, whether it's acquiring possessions or looking to have a pleasurable experience pleasure. And you're looking for happiness in those kinds of things. For, for some people, uh, uh, they look for happiness by, uh, by gaining prestige or power. By gaining prestige or power. They, they look to their job performance. 
They look to their income level. They want to be a leader. They want to be on the board. And what it really boils down to is they want to be oh, uh, winning. They want to be winners. And so you, uh, people people say, if I have enough stuff and I achieve a certain income, a status, or a level, and then I'll have happiness in my life. And people look uh, to those things. And if that was really true, then the most happy people on planet Earth, we talk about this kind of thing, They'd all be in Hollywood, right? Uh, There would never be a divorce in Hollywood because those people have so much stuff and so much money and so much influence. There would never be a kid in Hollywood that would die of a drug overdose because he'd be so happy we'd just uh, want to live because they have all of those things. And Have you in your life ever had the experience in which those things that we go after those possessions, those pleasures, that prestige, have those things ever failed you? And they do. They fail us. You think you get the dream job, you find out it's the nightmare job. You think if I just get this thing, this new car, you go into debt to get the new thing, and then it gets a scratch and another scratch and another scratch, and you know, uh, three years into your four years of payments or six years into your seven years of payments, you hate making that payment. And it doesn't bring you the satisfaction in your life that you want it to. And when these things begin to fail, that's when we start to do some real evaluation on life. And that's when we begin to ask this great question, write it down. Why am I here? Why am I here? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? Why am I here? Why am I here? This is a great question. It's an important question. And I want to tell you the answer to it right now. Write this down in your bulletin. God made me to love me. God made me to love me. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. It tells us that God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God made us so that he can love us. Write this down in your bulletin. We were created to enjoy a personal relationship with God and to manage All of the rest of God's creation. God made us unique and he made us special. Here's here's a tragedy. There are people today that believe that all mankind is a cosmic accident. That first there was some dust and then there was some water. And somehow these inanimate objects created life. A single cell. Scientists today will tell us that a single cell is more complicated than your smartphone. Yet that somehow, accidentally, by accident, through some sort of a process, went from not existing to existing. I think they're crazy. We were created. We were created to enjoy a personal relationship with God. God made us to love us. He created us. That's why we exist, because God made us. He put us here to have a relationship with us. We were created to enjoy a personal relationship with God. And then... To manage all of the rest of God's creation. Genesis chapter 1 tells us, So God created human beings, making them in His image. He blessed them and said, Live all over the earth and bring it under control. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. John 10.10 says that Jesus said, I have come in order that you might have life. Life in all of its fullness. So 
So why am I here? Because God made me to love me. And God created me that I would be in relationship with him and that I would be able to manage the things on this earth. Write this down, number three. When we know and love God and live in harmony with his purpose for our lives, it produces tremendous benefits in our life. When we figure out that God made me to love me and that he says set out a, a, a road map for the way I'm to do my life, when he has set up a purpose for the way that we are to live our lives, when we figure that out, then there are going to be blessings that are going to come into our life, and we're going to experience them. Write these things down. We're going to have a clear conscience, a clear conscience. Romans 8.1, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no judgment from God for those who are in Christ Jesus. Our sins have been forgiven. They've been forgiven. And we don't need to run around feeling like, oh, woe is me. We can look at God and say, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And today I repent of them. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to try to live more powerfully uh, for you, God, because I love you. Life and peace. There'll be more life and peace in your life. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, The mind governed by the Spirit is life. And peace is your mind governed by the Spirit of God. We learn about how to do that through Scripture, through reading and studying our Bibles. And there is help with weakness in our lives. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. We don't even know uh, how we ought to think or pray sometimes, but God is there and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he comes along and he helps us when we are in weakness. What about this one? Confidence. Romans chapter eight, verse 31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If you had all of the resources of the, of the entire army and there was one person that was coming against you, I think you'd win. Well, if you have all of the influence and the power and the authority of a loving God that is for you, and we have an enemy that's pushing on us, we can trust that God can win. And he can bring us through whatever might come our way because God is powerful and we can have confidence in that. When we are living in a way that we understand that we were created to be loved by God and we give ourselves to God, and we live according to Scripture, then we're going to have security in our life. Write that down. Romans chapter 8 says, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. We're going to have that security. We're going to have power and strength. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. We're going to have fulfillment in our life. Philippians chapter 4 and 19 And my God will meet your needs. He'll meet your needs. You're going to have a fulfilling life. And we're going to have freedom in our life. John 8 tells us, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is the kind of lifestyle God intends for us to live. That we would experience a clear conscience and have life and peace and fulfillment. That's the way God intends for us to live when we acknowledge that he created us to know him and to love him. That's the way he desires for us to live. But why then aren't people more 
happy. We're looking for happiness. We desire happiness. We desire fulfillment and and to be happy. But why don't we encounter more happy people? Well, it's because there's a problem. What's the problem? What is the problem? Why aren't more people more happy? Well, the problem is sin. The problem is sin. Here's sin. Man has a natural desire to be boss and to ignore God's principles for living. We want to be boss. We want to be the boss of our lives. And it demonstrates itself with these kind of attitudes. I'm going to look out for number one. Do your own thing. If it feels good, do it regardless of what God says about it. It's my life and I will do what I want. And the Bible calls all of that sin. How many times do we encounter that? How many times do we as Christians wrestle with that? Well, I know God doesn't want me to, but... Boom, boom, boom. Down the path we go. Well, yeah, the Bible might say that, but what I can tell you is... And that's sin. Sin is the bullseye. And, and you aim at the target, but oh, the, the arrow, uh, because of gravity and that natural... Uh, it pulls down and it misses the mark. That's sin. God says, this is how I want you to live. And we decide to create our own path. That's sin. We want to be in charge of our own life. And God says, don't do it. And we say, well, yeah, but I, I've got some exceptions. And, you know, I don't, everything doesn't apply to me. I can do what I want to do. And the Bible says, we're, because we sin, and we're not trying to live for God. We're trying to do whatever we want to do and whatever feels good inside of us. And even though it's sin. The problem is sin. The problem that that we have in our life and not being fulfilled, it's sin because we want to be the boss and be in charge. Isaiah 53 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. We're off the path. And each of us has turned to his own way. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8 says, If we say that we never sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refuse to accept the truth. Listen to this. Sin, sin breaks our close relationship with God. It causes us to be, it causes us to fear God and try to live our lives outside of His will. Isn't that true? When we're living in sin, we know we're living in sin, you know, we kind of keep God back there because we don't want Him to see what we're doing. We kind of want Him pushed back and separated. And when we need God, we'll rush over there and open the door and say, God, 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 please, please, please. Otherwise, you stay back there, God. And we have sin in our lives. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says, the trouble is that your sin, your sins have cut you off from God. Romans chapter 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when our relationship to God is not right, it causes problems in every single area of our life. When our relationship with God is not right, it causes problems. It causes problems in our marriage when our relationship with God is not right. It causes problems in every relationship that we have when we're trying to be boss. And not let God be boss. 
It causes problems in our career. It causes problems with us financially. When we step off of the path, God is the one who created us. and He knows how to do life. He's given us an owner's manual. Follow the manual in Scripture. But all we want to do is do what we want to do because it's too uncomfortable to adjust what my comfort zone is and climb into the space that God wants me to be in, even though God tells us when we get into his space, that's the only time that we will find true purpose and meaning and fulfillment in our life. Listen to this. When people have problems, they often try many different ways of coping before turning to God. Proverbs says it this way. Proverbs chapter 16 Verse 25, he says, There are ways that seem right to man, but they only end in death. Trying to go one way. This seems so right, but at the end, it's a dead end, and it goes nowhere. Even when we know that our deepest need is God, we often try wrong ways of getting to know him. So what's the solution? If the problem that we have in our life is sin, what is the solution to our problem? There is only one solution, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the solution to our problem. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus Christ said, I am the way and the truth and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through me. Here's a fact. Jesus has already taken care of our sin problem. He's taken care of it. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still separated from God by sin, Christ died for us. God took care of our sin problem through the work of Jesus. God has already done his part to restore our relationship to him. He took the initiative. Now he wants for each of us to individually accept what he has done for us. I said, we're doing a series entitled Better Together because we are better together. Here's what we know. We so easily get sidetracked. I mean, holy cow. If I say a pink elephant, in your mind, everybody just thought pink elephant. We're not talking about pink elephants. We're talking about zebras. No, we're talking about a church coming together, being better together. A church being better together. We all are a people that need to be continually reminded, oh man, God's way is better. And I need to be a part of a family that encourages me and reminds me. I need to be in a church on Sunday morning to hear again the truth of Scripture and to be reminded. I need to be a part of a Bible study that helps me to remember that God is right and I'm not always right. Sometimes I get it right, but I don't get it. I just need to do what God wants me to do. And so we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks what it is to be better together and what it is to be a part of a family that helps us to be reminded, I'm not the boss. God is the boss. We're going to be talking more about that. Listen, 
I have no idea where all of you are in your journey with Christ, what it is for you to think of yourself as a Christian, or are you a Christian? Have you done what Jesus has asked you to do to become a Christian? And if you don't know and you're not sure, I'd love to have that conversation with you. We'll sit down and talk about it. What does it mean to be a Christian? If you are a Christian and you know who Jesus is, surrender your life, every part of it, over to our Father who is in heaven that loves us and created us to have a personal relationship with us. Let's pray.